Bibi Fahodier, welcome to the African Liberation Media Podcast. Media solely focused on the liberation and empowerment of African people. I'm your host, Gullah Jack, a.k.a. Russell Swilly. Let's get to it. Bibi Fahodier, African family. This is the African Liberation Media Podcast. And I'm brother almost here tonight with Baba Makaru. And we're not in the studio tonight because of the coronavirus situation and uh, the way things are being shut down. So bear with us with the audio. Um, the connection and the audio quality may not be as good as it normally is, but we're still going to try to bring this information to you um, under the circumstances. A lot going on. We have a lot of updates in the Charlotte community and dealing with this COVID-19. That's what it's being classified as. And then also around the nation. Uh, this week, the United States became the number one country for the most amount of infections of this COVID-19 virus. And part of the reason for that is because the virus actually started here. And now people are actually being tested for it. But it's been here since last year. Uh, so we're going to get into that tonight. We're going to get into even some of the demographics that are being shared about the people that are being infected right here in the Charlotte community. And then we're going to also talk about what we need to prepare for as a lot of the hospitals start to lose the ability to be able to actually treat people due to them being past capacity, due to them being uh, limited with supplies and all of those things. Um, so I want to pass it over to Baba Makaru, uh, who's going to go into detail on some of these issues that are affecting us here in Charlotte with COVID-19. Hotel Bado Mapapano, uh, African Liberation Media family. Yeah, the United, United States is, is facing a crisis uh, unlike anything it's, it's, it's ever seen, uh, you know, particularly um, if you, you know, say start in the 20th century, um, even with the uh, Spanish flu, which, you know, killed several million people, but it's just the, the things that have changed in the world since 1918 that, that make this, uh, you know, such, a, such an interesting and challenging situation. But the interesting thing to me is uh, if, if you had a country that was people-centric, that wasn't driven so much by avarice, which wasn't driven so much by the, by the arrogance of white supremacy. And then you have to understand and deal with the crass ineptitude that's exhibited by uh, the political leaders of this country. This is something that could have been mitigated a lot better had they taken it serious uh, and they weren't playing games, uh, you know, when 
when the news first began to break, I mean, the country had plenty of warning to do something, but children were still allowed to go to spring break in Florida in March. People were allowed to go to Mardi Gras in, uh, in New Orleans. Uh, people continued to uh, cluster, to, to, to mingle in, in, in large numbers in, in, in settings in cities like New York and uh, Los Angeles, New York City and Los Angeles. And so, so now, now you have a, a virus wh wherever it started, is spinning out of control. It's absolutely spinning out of control. And the United States uh, now in fact does um, lead the world in the total number of cases. Now, of course, this all depends on the accuracy of the people who are doing the reporting. Uh, one of the websites that I've been looking at is called Worldometers. And uh, these wouldn't appear to be people that have any uh, political objectives in reporting the information. And uh, as of uh, th their current numbers show a total of 141,000 cases, 141, 125 cases in the United States. That's a gain of 17,547 cases over the past 24 hours. By comparison, uh, Italy is second now with 97,689. China has apparently stemmed the tide, 81,439. Spain right behind Italy at 80,110, then Germany, 62,000 some change, France, 40,000 some change, Iran, 38,000 and some change, the United Kingdom, 19 plus, Switzerland, 14 plus, so forth and so on. One of the things, Brother Hamos, that I found very interesting, and we, we're just kind of freewheeling here today, but one of the things I found very interesting about, about this, uh, virus and the things that we've been told about it, Japan has the oldest uh, people on the planet of any country based on their median age. They also have a, have a country with a overwhelming percentage of people who are smokers. And Japan has uh, seen very few and it's right next to China, and it's uh, you know close to uh, South Korea. Uh, that that's that 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 to me is amazing. But I mean, it 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 could have it could have to do with the actions that they took place, rather than sitting around like a knot on a log, uh, a president making outlandish statements. Just, I mean, man, look, it, it's like these guys. You know, we used to sit around and shoot the dozens. And it was whatever you could make up. And, uh, you know, you were trying to, uh, you know, like one up somebody. And that's, and that's what this guy seems to be like. I mean, it's like a, it's like a joke to him, but, you know, perhaps, you know, people like him feel insulated. Although the uh, prime minister of the United Kingdom announced that he was positive. Prince Charles, who I think is uh, 71, announced that he was uh, positive. Somebody said Queen Elizabeth. I don't. I, I haven't had a chance to verify that. She's ninety some odd years old. I mean, good gracious. Uh, 
but you know those those are just some those are just some of the raw numbers. Um, the Mecklenburg County Health Department uh, put out some some raw data. Uh, Mecklenburg County, where almost and I broadcasting from, in uh, the largest county and largest city by population in in the state of North Carolina. Uh, and when they published this information, and I'm sure the cases have increased uh, by then, but here's here the demographics to me are more interesting than the total numbers. Um, by age group, by age group, the largest percentage of people infected in Mecklenburg County were between the between the age 20 and 39, with 48.8 percent. That See, that's not supposed to be the way it is. The next uh, highest group was between the ages of 40 and 59, which was 32.5%, age 60 plus 17.5%. So there were more there were more people in the uh the 20 to 39 and the 40 to 59 than plus 60. I mean, that's that's amazing. Uh in terms of um in terms of male and female, it was about a dead even split. Uh, in terms of a race and ethnicity, uh, they said 43.8% white and 35% black, only 3.8% Hispanic, but a lot of Hispanics are counted as white. So, I mean, I don't know, a lot of times the white population is, is kind of, it gets kind of kind of uh, interesting. Uh, in terms of trying to, in terms of trying to determine exactly who is, because they they count people, for example, from Egypt is white, right? So uh, Arabs, all Arabs, but um, who knows? Um, the next five COVID nineteen hotspots identified by the U.S. government for whatever their data is worth could hit the black community hard. Number one. These are the next five hotspots. Number one, New Orleans, Louisiana. Louisiana is, is experiencing, the state itself, is experiencing the fastest growth in new cases anywhere in the world. Uh, Louisiana actually has more cases than several countries in the world. Um, and uh, it said that... Uh, when this data was reported, which was one day last week, the state reported 510 more known infections yesterday for a total of 2305. Nearly half of the cases and more than half of the deaths are in New Orleans. And one of the reasons they say New Orleans is being hit hard is because there were so many people in the city for, uh, for Mardi Gras. Uh, number two, Detroit, Michigan, Wayne County, which contains the city of Detroit, also ranks among the highest nationally in COVID-19 cases per capita, according to uh, the Detroit uh, Free Press. Number three, Chicago, Illinois, uh, Cook County, uh, very high black population. The ATL, Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, Georgia's cases have increased 472% in one week. Right, you wonder how many how much of this is being caused by those students that went on spring break and are returning home? 
And number five, Los Angeles. And even though Los Angeles has been reporting cases for quite a while, they said that they're nowhere near uh, the tip of the iceberg. Uh, one other thing about Chicago, about about Cook County before, before we move on, um, a nightmare is unfolding in the Cook County Jail. The Cook County Sheriff's Office announced Saturday that 89 detainees at the Cook County Jail, this is one of the largest jails in the United States, according to some estimates, the largest, generally houses over 5,000 uh, prisoners. 89 detainees have, have tested positive, an increase of 51 cases from the day before. So in just one day in the Cook County Jail, there was an increase of 51 cases. Additionally, 12 Sheriff's Office employees have tested positive for the uh, coronavirus. A total of 190 inmates have been tested. Nine have turned out negative, while 92 are awaiting the results. The rapid spread of COVID-19 at the jail has happened in less than a week. The first two cases among inmates were just announced on Monday. Okay, so you know, we're broadcasting this. It'll be published on Monday the, the 30th. I mean, the, is the 30th? Yeah, okay. 30th of March is when, it, when this will be published. So on March the 23rd, they only had two cases in the Cook County Jail. And we, we knew that the jail, probably like homeless shelters, I mean, it's just got to be a repository, uh, it, it, just a, a ticking time bomb, just waiting to go off. Uh, later in the week, the jail's population dropped to about 5,000, its lowest level in decades. As judges began to review bail in mostly nonviolent cases in an attempt to stem the spread of, uh, of COVID-19, uh, they've said that uh, of the people that they have tested so far, they said about 80 80 percent of them are a violent criminal. So obviously they're not they're not going to release them, and they couldn't release them anyway now that they that they have tested positive. So. No, those are just some of the things that are going on, and uh, I'll come back maybe to talk about you know how how the disease has has been working. But as we have said from day one on this podcast, you know the best thing you can do is to do everything you can while you're healthy to boost your immune system. Take all of the natural herbs, vitamins, and things that you can that that have a positive impact on your immune system. And of course, the social distancing, we have we have to take that serious. If, you know, there was a person killed in uh, Arrowdale County, a county uh, to the north of Mecklenburg County, where we live, last night. Uh, it was a young lady shot several times. They were at a party with 50 people or some gathering, a club or something with 50 people. So people are not taking this serious. I mean, it's unfortunate the young lady got shot. I suppose it could have happened anytime, anywhere, but you got to be serious about this. Wash your hands. Do not touch your, your mouth, your nose, your eyes. I mean, if you have to, you know, use a, your shirt or something, but I mean, you look, this is a... This is a very serious thing, and we got we got a lot more that we can talk about. I'm, but I'm gonna turn it back over to Brother Amos. 
Yes, definitely, definitely serious. In um, in Charlotte, one of the things that I've seen personally, so they have a um, a mandate by the mayor to stay at home. But I see a lot of people out not going to get essential things like groceries or medical supplies or going to aid a family member, but actually just out as if nothing is happening. Yesterday I saw three or four white people riding motorcycles. So you know that they're out for leisure. (laughs) So we definitely have to take it serious. And one of the things we mentioned on the podcast before was taking vitamin C. And now the hospitals in New York, based off of the information that they've received from China, are starting to treat patients, some patients with vitamin C as a treatment against the fight against the coronavirus. Exactly. So exactly. This is something that you have to keep in your in your system and it's good to take it daily. If 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 you have it, um a lot of the stores now and we talked about before, we joked about the uh, toilet tissue, but a lot of stores now are actually sold out of vitamin C. So I don't know if it's something that you may be able to order online or at some vitamin stores that are less frequently visited that you may be able to go to to get some. But it's good to daily take some vitamin C so that you can constantly keep your immune system uh, at a peak level just in case you do contract the virus that you can help your immune system fight it off exactly exactly yeah that's uh i i i did i saw that um what they what they were doing in wuhan uh a lot of people were taking as soon as as soon as the virus started taking a toll and this this could this could be as a result of their sars experience because china really did get a you know they they nip SARS in the bud pretty quickly. Uh, what was it? Was it two thousand three, two thousand four? Almost when was it? Was it, it around was, that time frame? It was two thousand three. Okay, uh, and so maybe they had experience from that. But a lot of people started taking it uh, orally. But in a lot of, uh, of of elderly populations, and you know, and China does have has an aging population also. Uh, they people that knew about this started requesting that doctors give their grandmothers and grandfathers and fathers and mothers vitamin C intravenously. And so it saved a lot of people. Now, Cuba has a drug that China also used with the arrogance of the United States actually prevent them from using Cuba's drug. Uh, It's a drug that Cuba has been using, interferon alpha 2b. And just to show you the mentality of these barbarians that run this country and the world, there's a story that was was published uh, just the other day and it, the title of the story says, U.S. pressures countries to reject Cuban aid during coronavirus pandemic. And 
The, the United States would rather see people die than to be treated by Cuban doctors. I mean, how much more pathological can you get than that? Uh, so the article says, Cuba has played a leading role in the global fight against the outbreak, sending medical teams and aid to some of the world's worst uh, affected countries, including Italy. Italy didn't have, didn't have no problem with these socialist trained doctors, these doctors trained by a socialist medical system coming over there to help save them. It has also provided supplies of the interferon alpha 2b, which has proven to be effective uh, to treat more than 1,500 coronavirus patients and it is one of 30 drugs chosen by the Chinese National Health Commission to combat the respiratory disease. The Trump administration claimed that Cuba's goal was not to stop the spread of COVID-19, but to recover money lost from some of the countries that pay for it. Basically, what Cuba does, if you, if you say, uh, if you are a poor country, for example, let's say you are um, the Democratic Republic of the Congo, a country like that, for example, they will, they will send their medical teams, they will voluntarily send their medical teams. Countries that can afford it, quite naturally, they ask for some compensation. And so uh, the United States is trying to stop them from being paid for saving people's lives. And the dummies running Brazil, following uh, the uh, suggestion of the Trump administration, uh, let me just read it. Brazil followed the U.S. advice and expelled most of the 10,000 Cuba doctors from the country, branding them terrorists disguised in uniforms. Well, that's good. They need to let just let them die. You know, the thing about it, the thing about it in this situation is. They're going to be, you know, the losers. Um, and we talked about the the mentality of the government in their reaction to the situation. One of those reasons why they reacted the way that they did is because of this whole cover up, this cover up that has taken place with this coronavirus, which has been here since July of 2019. And there was an article um, written in the Global Times. This is a, a article that Baba Walker was sent to me uh, in China, where the U.S. is being urged to release the health information of the military athletes who came to Wuhan in October of 2019. Here it says that an American journalist claimed one U.S. military athlete in the delegation could be patient zero of the deadly new disease. George Webb, who is the journalist that they're speaking of, not sure if he's related to Gary Webb, but George Webb has put out a few videos and tweets and he has pinpointed a, a military agent named Maaji Banasi who was an armed diplomatic driver and a cyclist who was in Wuhan in October for the cycling competition at the military world games and stated that he could be patient zero of the COVID-19 virus. So this means that he was the original carrier of the virus. I think it's a female who they say contracted the virus from contamination that happened at Fort Detrick, which was closed down last year. Right. Right. You know, uh, I'll be honest with you. If I, if, if someone 
said, Makaru is patient zero. And I knew that I had never been infected. You'd be here with a billion dollar lawsuit. So the fact, the fact that this, uh, these people have not come forward, um, is, you know, it's quite, it's quite amazing to me. Uh, he identified three people. Now, now what happened was this, um, the Centers for Disease Control found some safety issues with, uh, in the, the uh, Fort Detrick uh, biolab is where they, it's where they, where they do all this uh, bioweapons testing and, 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 and they have all sorts of uh, every kind of, every kind of virus you could think of in there. Uh, and so they claimed that uh, when, when, when they, when they found these uh, hazardous conditions in the lab, that that no pathogens had escaped but the report that they release is heavily redacted meaning that there's information that they don't want you to see you know you can't read it there's some information they, they're hiding so for whatever reason they didn't release the complete uh report unredacted which means there's something that they want people to see now the conspiracy theorists, and yeah, I have to still call it that until it's proven, uh, have said that there were some U.S. Uh, Army or personnel that that were possibly infected as a result of this leak. So what happened with this uh, Sergeant uh, Benassi, who was a cyclist in the... Um, in the world military games in Wuhan at the end of October, 2019. Uh, and this, uh, this uh, fellow by the name of Webb has identified her as patient zero. Like I said, if someone had identified me as patient zero and I have never had the virus, I'd be filing a billion dollar lawsuit, but I don't, I don't, I don't, I haven't seen anything where they have responded to this person. And that, that itself raises some questions. Why would you let somebody falsely accuse you of something and not defend yourself? But the hypothesis is that the CDC found these safety hazards at Fort Detrick. Okay. Uh, this is this is the, the the U.S. This is one of the, the U.S. Army Medical Research and Development Command, which oversees the laboratory there, and 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 they do all types of uh, testing on various viruses. Try they, they they try to develop antidotes, but a lot of people say that they also build bioweapons there. And when the CDC did their inspection, they found that uh, that the hazard that the safety hazards there. There were so many hazards that they, that they shut the lab down. Now, they claimed that no pathogens were released. But the report they released to prove that is heavily redacted, meaning there's something they don't want you to see. Same with the files they have on Malcolm X and Martin King. Those files are heavily redacted. Sometimes they have 
entire paragraphs blocked out. These would be the FBI COINTEL profiles on Dr. King and Malcolm X. It's called redaction. They, they, they take the information out that they don't want you to see. And people have to try to put, put together, try to fill in the blanks of, you know. And so, so for whatever reason, the government redacted the report they released. They said no pathogens were released, but we don't know that. The hypothesis of the conspiracy theorists is that, that there were some pathogens released and that they were perhaps, uh, in, they, they, they infected some army personnel and some of these army personnel wound up being the athletes who went to Yuhan with the uh, U.S. military team that competed in the games, the World Military Games, in October. That may that may sound far fetched because if these people were in fact accidentally infected, then the United States government, if if they if if there's a real cover up, which I, certainly they would want to cover something up like cover something up like this, then that means that they would have treated these people sometime after they returned from China in uh, November or December and you know that they all totally recovered uh that's what that's what that's what go ahead that's why these countries are asking for the for these health records of these individuals and i i think i think that's a legitimate request yeah i i, I mean in, in in my mind if 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 you have nothing to hide if you really have nothing to hide you know why? Why wouldn't you? Uh, you know, just go ahead and say, "Okay, boom." No, we don't have anything to hide. Uh, but let me just say this, just just so that people know that you know that, that we aren't just out making stuff up. Okay, these this information has has been corroborated by numerous news sites. I, I'm just going to read for one: the, the Frederick uh, New Post. The coronavirus is handled in a biosafety level three laboratory, which requires researchers to don a gown, face shield, and an N95 respirator. It is a step down from the highest level biosafety, uh, BSL-4, where the pathogens, where pathogens such as Ebola are studied. Still, most people would not want to encounter a BSL-3 laboratory. So, so they, are, they are admitting that they had the virus there. And the, and 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 that and the, and that they were doing tests on it. Uh, BSL three and BSL four. This is this, these are the codes for these pathogens. Four, I guess, would be the highest rank. Work was halted for some time after the CDC found lapses in biosecurity. Since then, the CDC has visited twice, each time allowing more work. So they 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 they're gradually coming back back to full operations. Uh, the coronavirus, which is which is uh, also called SARS-CoV-2, is not a select agent which falls under the federal select agent program overseen by the CDC. Check that. Which means it does not fall under the same restrictions as other pathogens, such as Ebola, which is a select agent. Now they may change that. 
but they didn't have it classified uh, at the highest level of security. So when you have a leak, you claim there were no pathogens released, and somebody says it's possible that, that some personnel, some army personnel, or some doctors or whoever may have been infected, you don't tell the whole story, then this allows the conspiracy theorists to, to continue on. But, but, but in my opinion, the Chinese are asking, okay, you know, since this issue has been raised, since we know you had a leak, since we know you test, you test this virus there, then why not, why not release the data? And, you know, they have, they have refused to do that. Go ahead, brother. Yeah, and according to several news articles, there have been people that have been infected in the U.S. prior to the Wuhan outbreak. In the Global Research article written by Larry Romanoff, it says that Japanese citizens were infected in September of 2019 in Hawaii. So this is on American soil. And these okay. people had never tra traveled to China. So this is long before you have the outbreak in Wuhan, but it's shortly after you have the locking down of Fort Detrick. So when you start to take these bits of information and piece them together, this is why people are pointing to Fort Detrick as the source. And then also, it was also... Um, Daniel Daniel Lucy, who was an infectious disease expert at Georgetown University in Washington, said in an article in Science Magazine that the first human infection uh, was confirmed as occurring in November 2019, not in Wuhan, suggesting the virus originated elsewhere and then spread to seafood markets. So that's his source. But other sources are also saying that, it, that there was an infection in September in Hawaii. And then you have a spike in deaths about 10,000 deaths that were classified as influenza back in August now this is before flu quote unquote flu season uh, but many of these situations in Maryland were attributed to the use of e-cigarettes or vaping yeah there <laughs> There are a lot of dots to connect. And I, I, I wouldn't expect that the United States government would ever admit that uh, they had a pathogen leak or it could be a situation like they had with, uh, with the uh, guy that, uh, that uh, stole the anthrax and was mailing it to people right a u.s government employee um so you know you could have a sick person you could you could have a a a, a, a psychopath for example working in one of these labs and you know they did it on purpose i mean that's what happened see that's the danger of of, of, of trying of trying to do all of this stuff i mean you know, they're doing all kinds of things like they're mixing Corona with HIV. I mean, they're doing all kinds of crazy things. So, I mean, just the, the, the odds of something happening 
you know, and you have you have plenty of epidemiologists who say it, the risk isn't worth it. Yeah, it's not. I mean, if you look on the back of a can of Lysol, on the front of the can it says that Lysol kills 99.9% of infectious germs and bacteria. If you look on the back of the can, one of the diseases that it says that it kills is human coronavirus. Wow. So what is the purpose of creating a pathogen to try to then say that you're going to use that research to create a vaccine when you already have access to, you can, you can go and get a bat and extract coronavirus from that bat. And then you can try to develop a vaccine based off of that extraction of those uh, genomes from that bat. Why do you need to create a pathogen? And, th and one of the things that was pointed out was that when the federal ban was lifted, this was in the New York Times, when the federal ban was lifted on private organizations being able to do research and create bioweapons or pathogens it was stated in the article that one of the goals of the scientists was to create a virus that was more deadlier than ebola mers and sars okay. now they'll, they'll tell they'll tell you that the reason that they want to create it is so that they can be prepared to stop it but i mean that's like somebody's telling you, you know, I want to set off, you know, a radioactive material inside of your house and let you live in there. And then we can study you and see how we can later determine what are safe radiation levels. They playing with your life. Right. These people are playing. They using science to, for what they would call advancement, but the costs that come with it are what you're seeing now. And that's with this pandemic that's worldwide. Right. 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 Yeah, man, it's, uh, it can, it can be expected also, uh, to exacerbate a lot of the problems that we already have in this country. And, one example that we saw this week was with this uh, this uh, white terrorist who was planning a uh, mass destruction, planning to bomb a, a hospital, uh, you know, in the uh, in the Kansas City, Missouri area, Timothy Wilson. And in my opinion, we can expect the COVID nineteen crisis to exacerbate the pathologies of psychopathic racial personalities. Basically, uh, this guy uh, was trying to make a bomb. Uh, the FBI actually found out about him through a guy that held similar views as his who was on active duty at Fort Riley in Kansas. Uh, so, so they convinced the guy that they they were they went undercover i guess and convinced him that they you know wanted to work with him and 
they told him that that uh, he could pick the bomb up, and when he was on was supposed to pick the bomb up, then uh, they tried to arrest him, and a shootout ensued. And uh, they say that he was injured and died later. That's their, for whatever reason, they don't have a problem grinning and 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 laughing and bragging about killing people like Fred Hampton. But when they kill a white terrorist, that they will. This, they will actually kill some other white people. They don't want to. They don't want to take the credit for it. The FBI. I'm gonna read what this uh, report says. The FBI was prepared to arrest Timothy Wilson when he arrived to pick up what he thought was an explosive device, but there was no actual bomb. Wilson was actively planning to commit an act of domestic terrorism, a bombing, and over the course of several months, consider several targets. The New York Times reported that those targets included a school with a large number of black students, as well as a mosque and a synagogue. So, so you can see this. You can see the mentality of this guy. This this guy was a thoroughbred white supremacist that was looking to do major damage. Wilson ultimately, apparently, he got upset about the way to cope. The uh, the lockdowns were taking place. And so Wilson ultimately settled on an area hospital in an attempt to harm uh, many people targeting a facility that is providing critical medical care in today's environment, the FBI said. Wilson had taken all the necessary steps to acquire the materials he needed to build the explosive device. So um, I'm gonna read this other report. The suspect that, now, <laughs> now this is very interesting. This. This is from ABC News. Check the language. The suspected white supremacist who plotted to bomb a hospital. Why is he a suspected white supremacist? They already have on record what the man's plans were. Right. You know, why is he a suspect? But anyway, the article says the suspected white supremacist who plotted to bomb a hospital uh, facing the coronavirus crisis was in touch with a then active US Army soldier who wanted to launch his own attack on a major American uh, news, work, news network and discuss targeting a Democratic presidential candidate according to the FBI alert summarizing the case. This was done before uh, the incident occurred where Wilson was killed. Wilson espoused white supremacist ideology. They, 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 this, see how dumb this is? They called the man a suspected white supremacist. Then, then in the content of their own article, they're saying Wilson espoused white supremacist ideology and made a threat that if any agent attempted to do, search his property, they should bring a lot of body bags, said the FBI alert, which was distributed to state and local law enforcement agencies in the Kansas City region. The FBI alert said Wilson has shared instructions on how to make an improvised explosive device with another a domestic terrorist suspect. ABC News has identified that other domestic terrorism suspect as Jared Smith, who was arrested in September 2019 while still stationed at Fort Riley, Kansas, as an active member of the U.S. military. We know that the U.S. military is full of white nationalists and white supremacists. One of the things that they that they are oriented to do is to join the U.S. military to get training you know, give training, you know, with, uh, you know, the various uh, weapons that uh, that that the U.S. Uh, military uses 
and, and, and to learn all of the skills that are necessary. And, and some of them advance quite far in the military, uh, you know, even some becoming officers and whatnot. And they, so they, they, they have been trained to kill. So, so this is one of the things that, that we can, I, I think, expect to see more of as the stress levels from this virus increases, like one, one in five workers in the United States have been affected by this crisis, either by reduced hours or actually by having lost a job. Now, the U.S. Congress, uh, you know, did pass a bill that uh, does have extended uh, benefits for unemployment, uh, you know, that, that, that will help a lot of these people, but, you know, it only, it's only for four months. And even though a lot of people are hoping that, that this particular virus is seasonal, just like influenza, but they don't know. And they don't know that if it does, uh, you know, wane during the summer, there's a great likelihood that starting in the fall and next winter, it will come back. So however the situation was developed right now, it's a catastrophe. Yeah. And that's what I think is going to happen is it's, it's going to be a wave where we're going to see continuous outbreaks on into 2021. It's going to be a period where this. Um, dies down a little bit and then in the fall you'll probably see new coronavirus cases one of the things that George Webb stated in his video was that because this virus has five strands to it that you could catch one strand of the virus and heal from that and then end up catching the, uh, another strand of the virus mm. so and your body is not immune to the other strands just because you've already been infected with one strand right so this right. is definitely something that's going to continue. Um, one of the interesting things I noticed in Charlotte this week, and when you talk about their mentality, they named essential businesses, certain businesses that were forced to close or would be fined, like barbershops and beauty salons had to close until April 16th. So they're out of business. Right. Um, but gun ranges are still allowed to stay open. <laughs> so that and the, and the liquor stores and the liquor stores are still allowed to stay open. So we know that the liquor stores are state-owned agencies here in North Carolina. So that's a lot of revenue that will be lost for them if they close the liquor store. And they they they're expecting increased uh, revenues because people are going to self-medicate under under stress at all. It, you know, it, 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 it always happens. Uh, one, one other thing that. Uh, well, liquor, that, liquor always sells, no matter what kind of depression you're in. <laughs> liquor is going to always it, sell. It does. One, one of the things that we are seeing, uh, and we, we've had, uh, I think, uh, three stories we posted this week. One involved a 30-year-old uh Arena Zoe Munging of uh, of uh, of New York. Uh, she went to the hospital, but wasn't tested for the coronavirus, even though 
she felt that, you know, she was uh, showing symptoms of it. She had to go three times before she was finally tested. And she's currently on life support. Uh, she's a teacher in New York and uh, she's only 30 years old. Uh, we also had the case of the, uh, the sister uh, in DeKalb County, uh, Georgia, uh, uh, Rushia uh, Johnson, um, who actually uh, had, had retired as a music teacher. I'm sorry, Rushia Johnson Stevens, she was 65. She was a retired music teacher who was working at the DeKalb County Courthouse as a, in the clerk's office. Um, it says Miss Stevens' death was so shocking because she did not have any of the underlying health conditions. Her brother said the wife, mother, and grandmother was always quite active and did not start feeling sick until March 2nd or 3rd. Mr. Johnson said his sister ultimately went to the hospital but was sent home. Last Thursday, her symptoms worsened and she collapsed. That's when her husband uh, called 911. A few hours later, she was dead. So what's happening is, a, is, is that people are going, going to the emergency room, going to the hospital. And there was one case of this sister over in the United Kingdom and she was told she wasn't a priority. And I just want, I just want to bring this back home because, because I think this, this is what we can expect to see uh, in, in, in this country. Um, as the uh, as, as as the situation worsens, um, and I'm glad you brought up that point because I've seen reports of people, black people, in Greece and other countries who have been rejected for treatment, and um, in the state of New York alone, New York has more infections than the top some of the top ten countries on the list. Right. So New York is is, is at fifty nine thousand infections totally of the coronavirus. Right. And say for instance, a country like France, who is considered to be number five as a country, number six, excuse me, worldwide, is currently at forty thousand. Iran right. at thirty eight thousand. Germany right. at sixty two thousand, with surprisingly right. only five hundred and thirty three deaths. So just this, just the state of new york by itself has more infections than the majority of the countries around the entire globe and as you stated um when things start to really get bad here in america you're going to see people white people get preferential treatment people who have insurance with companies that hospitals know will pay are going to get preferential treatment over the people who may have the cheaper Obamacare plans or other plans of health insurance. Yeah. People, yeah. people who um, are rich, they don't even do public health care. They have private health care where they have, right now it's a shortage of uh, latex gloves in hospitals. It's a shortage of ventilators. Right. If somebody like Mark Cuban called, his private doctor said, I need, you know, a ventilator at my house in two hours. These it. people are going to go on the black market and they're going to find a producer who's going to get it to them. Exactly. Because he can exactly. pay that. So this is why we say it's, it would behoove all of us listening to this podcast, 
all African people to make sure that your immune system is at the greatest capacity that it can be right now. Yeah, let me let me just uh you know, let me just uh reiterate what you what you just said, uh uh brother almost with this information from this article that was published in the Atlantic. The US, okay, so so this 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 is what the great private healthcare system of the United States has delivered, okay. <laughs> I mean, nobody, they, they, they're just vehemently opposed to Medicare for all, which, you know, Canada has a form of it, but not here in the United States. I mean, it, the United States has fewer hospital beds per capita than Italy. Per capita. A study released by a, a team at the Imperial College of London, they got the right name, concluded that if the pandemic is left unchecked, those beds will be full by late April. United States hospital beds will be full by late April. By the end of June, for every available critical care bed, there will be roughly 15 COVID-19 patients in need of one. So there'll be 15 people needing a bed. For every one person that's in a bed, we know who those 15 people are. They will be the poor. They will be the uninsured. And also, will, another thing, will, too, is that uh, let's say you don't get coronavirus because the hospital is at capacity. Let's say if something happens, like you get into a car accident, they may not be able to treat you because the hospital is at capacity with coronavirus. That's a, that's another thing that article mentioned. Just just the regular things that happen, you know, strokes, heart attacks, uh you know, automobile accidents, just accidents, period. Uh, you know, they won't be able to treat you. Uh, it says, uh, by the end of summer, the pandemic will have directly killed 2.2 million Americans, notwithstanding those who indirectly die, as hospitals are unable to care for the usual slew of heart attacks, strokes, and car accidents. This is the worst case scenario. A recent analysis from the University of Pennsylvania estimated that even if social distancing measures can reduce the infection rates by 95%, 960,000 Americans will still need intensive care. So even if social distancing works, just based on the number of people who are already infected that don't know it, 960,000 Americans will need intensive care. There are only about 180,000 ventilators in the United States. And more pertinently, only enough respiratory therapists and critical care staff to safely look after 100,000 ventilated patients. They don't even have enough people. Mm -hmm. If they even produce more ventilators, I mean, it, you know, Trump was dragging his feet. I'm sure John Kennedy would have taken, would have jumped on this from the get-go uh, by, you know, uh, you know, for, uh, telling these companies you have to start producing. Just like they made these companies produce tanks and jeeps and rifles and and bazookas and airplanes during World War II, right? They could they could order these companies to start producing things that they need. But according to this article, you don't even you don't even have uh, you know enough uh, uh, respiratory therapists. So coronaviruses tend to be winter infections that wane or disappear in the summer. That may also be true for SARS-CoV-2. But seasonal variations might not sufficiently slow the virus when it has so many naive hosts to infect. Mm -hmm. 
so so I mean so this, this is this is this is where we are and to a certain extent <laughs> we like we, we we are where Dr. Clark said we would be we are on we're literally on our own to be honest with you and we behind we, enemy lines you know we run it short on time okay bro but, but um once again we're going to continue to bring updates even in the midst of being under a stay-at-home ordinance, you know, we still, the COVID-19 COVID is not going to stop or shut down African Liberation Media. So we're going to be here and we're here to bring you information that can help you and possibly help the people around you um, in regards to your personal safety, not just in you know, staying healthy internally with your immune system, but the potential threats that could arise like the race violence, like the medical neglect and other things that you need to be prepared to deal with in these situations. Um, again, this has been the African Liberation Media Podcast. You can listen to us on Spotify and on Apple Podcasts. And you can visit our website at AfricanLiberationMedia.com. And you can also view information that we release daily on different social media outlets uh, like Facebook, Instagram, etc. BB for ODA. BB for ODA. Power or the lack of power. I want to repeat this. Power or the lack of power. If your education in this institution is not about gaining real power, not job, because your jobs do not represent power. Not getting elected, that does not represent power either. You are buying your houses and fine clothes, does not represent power either. If it is not about real power, you are being miseducated and misled, and you will die educated and misled. If your study of black history is merely an exercise in feeling good about yourself, then you will die feeling good. The study of history then must be more than the pumping up of your self-esteem and the pumping up of your pride. Those things are important, but ultimately those things are not the means by which we will save ourselves as people in this world. 